You're listening to Unfinished Business, the weekly discussion show about the business end of web design and creative industries. And today is Friday, April 12th, 2013. This is episode 14. This show wouldn't be possible without our fantastic sponsors, Hammer for Mac and Beyond Teleland. Hammer for Mac is a nifty development tool for designers and developers, and Beyond Teleland is a conference and workshop event for the web community happening May 27th to the 29th in Dusseldorf in Germany. You can find all the links we mentioned in this episode in the show notes at unfinished.bz forward slash 14. I'm Anna, and while Andy's in Japan, I'm joined by my guest co-host, the righteous Ryan Taylor. Hey up, Ryan. Hey up, sis. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Not so bad. Righteous. 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 That sounds... <laughs> you don't watch Adventure Time, do you? No. All oh, right. Is that what that's from? Yeah. Uh, no, no, although, gets... although for, for a short time my son was doing not but go on about Adventure Time <laughs> yeah because they showed him uh, the balloon song yes the balloon, the balloon song and he was just dancing around to the balloon song yeah, um, luckily, I've, luckly I've weaned him off that Oh. <laughs> whoever created Adventure Time was clearly stoned <laughs> and the fact that it's on children's TV it, it's, it's, it's clearly made for adults as well oh it's it really funny it? Oh, if you say so. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I'm just a grumpy old man these days. Oh. Well, he liked it. Uh, do you think anybody would be wondering why I called you sis? Uh, yeah, that, <laughs> they might be wondering that. Do you want to explain the, uh, the whole backstory? Do you, really, do, you, do you really want me to tell on your podcast how, how the, the story of little Anna? Yeah, if you get too embarrassing, I might just cut you out. <laughs> <laughs> so um so we met at the 100th blog world podcast yeah. that was a long time ago wasn't it? God, when was that uh well you were i think you were 16 no i was 17 we're 17 are oh, you you looked 16 and <laughs> <laughs> and uh and me and a, and a good friend of ours paul stanton were sat in a pub waiting for this uh podcast to start and you come toddling in with half a dozen bags over your shoulder and a box looking very tiny and young and scared and timid. And you walked from the front of the pub all the way to the back of the pub and then all the way back again as if you were going to leave the pub and you came up to us and you went, are you here for Boag World? <laughs> and we went, yes. And we went, oh, thank God for that. <laughs> and I think it had been your first trip into London, hadn't it, on your own? Yeah. Right? So it kind of took you under his wing and you became our little sister. Oh. So you've always been sis after that, haven't you? Yeah. So that were a long time ago. Look at you now, podcasts, <laughs> conference speaking, work so and stuff. Crazy. You know, you've grown up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. You know, I've told that story enough time now that most people have probably already heard it. I tell everybody. You know, Aww. I know what I first met. <laughs> it's cute. So what were you doing when I met you? Because I think, I you, I were you freelancing then? Oh, back then. I think I was, yeah. eating, I think I was eating a burger. <laughs> 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 um, back then, back then I was working um, at Leeds College of Art. Mm-hmm. Um, this was, this must, this must be six or seven years. How old are you now? Uh, 23. Yeah, so it's about six years ago. So yeah, I've been at Leeds College of Art. Um. And that was my first kind of trip to London to do a webby thing properly, you know. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd poked around a few things in Leeds and, uh, you know, meetups and stuff like that. But um, me and Stan decided to just uh, 
go to something we were interested in, we'd listen to that podcast, Balog World, for quite a while. And uh, we thought, oh, this would be fun. So we jumped on a train and went down to London. That was the first thing we, we'd come down for as well. So it was all a bit new for us too. So, but yeah, that were, that were a good day. Uh, that was a long oh, yeah, time ago. Good. Even though I wasn't really meant to be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were kind of pretend, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you were underage and walked straight into a pub. Hey, what are you doing here? <laughs> oh, you whipped And in the box, by the way, in case you're wondering why she had a box under her arm, was a cake that you'd baked, which had a 100 on it that you gave yeah. to Paul. Um, I believe I have a picture of that cake, actually, on my Flickr, so we'll link to that in the show notes as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> it wasn't a great cake. I remember... Um, I think it was a Victoria sponge and I put the jam on the top instead of the bottom. Like you meant to kind of, you, you cut it in half and then you put the jam on, but yeah, I put it on the top and then I put the icing on. Well, I, I, I can't vouch for the quality of the cake because Paul hoarded it and ate it on himself. <laughs> he did. So, um, you know, I, I, it looked good to me, you know, you looked like you put a lot of effort into it. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> And that was before we got involved with Borag World. So shortly after that, we started um, working on the podcast, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, we did that for a long time. I mean, we did that for a few years, didn't we? I remember doing um, one episode where it was just you and um, you and Stanton, and um, you were talking about. I think you were doing about Mr. T. And I just remember having to cut loads of bits out where you were just giggling for uh, hours. Oh, is it when you had, <laughs> was it when you had that little device that went, "Shut up, fool." Yeah. Just it in. <laughs> yeah. Highly professional, me and Stanton, when it comes to podcasting, absolutely. And then I kind of got a bit bored and started um, adding bleeps where the, where you weren't even swearing just to make you sound. <laughs> we weren't swearing. You weren't, that's the whole point. It, was, oh. it made you sound really bad. Well, well, you know. I should do that again, that was fun. What, bleep <laughs> out the things that I say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on this podcast every now and again I'll just be I get to the end of a sentence and it'll go <laughs> so did, did you just say <laughs> no I didn't <laughs> now I've got to bleep that out <laughs> <laughs> uh, well there you go comedy comedy insertion of a swear word there so I mean surely, surely Andy swears on this podcast because Andy, Andy swears he does on a couple of times yeah, yeah um, the first one I remember him him swearing um, another time he swore in French, but I just completely took that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't you start. <laughs> That's the only one I know, I think. And I probably said it wrong anyway. <laughs> I can barely speak English. I just speak Yorkshire. Oh, dear. Oh, uh... So you live up north. I do. How, how did you guess? Um, I mean, apart from the fact a, that you've yeah. visited a few times, you know. But... <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, uh, I, live in, I live in West Yorkshire. Yep. Yorkshire lad. Uh, I live near Leeds, so bang smack in the middle of the country. So all you southerners, when the ice caps melt, you'll be all come rushing up here <laughs> and you'll be cursing the day that you took the <laughs> out of us northern folk because uh, we will be sinking, you will be. <laughs> <laughs> so has, has living up north made it harder to find work? Um, not for me personally. Um, primarily because I don't work with people locally anyway um i work with people all over the world really so i work with people in america just we launched a site last year for a german company um so it 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 doesn't really matter um and and the people that i work with i I collaborate with people a lot 
um, and they're all over the place. So I'll, I'll work with, you know, uh, Naomi who's in Newcastle or, um, you know, you're in Brighton if I was working with you, you know. So people are just spread out all over the place. It doesn't really matter um, yeah. where the work comes from. I've not found my geographical location to be um, an issue with regards to finding work because it, it just seems to trickle in at a steady pace. Yeah. You work um, sort of pretty much exclusively at home? Yes, I do, um, as my bad back will testify. <laughs> um, yeah, I sit down way too much. But um, I, I do try and get out of the office. Uh, I have a little home office on the top floor. I live in a three-storey house and I've, I've claimed the uh, one of the top floor bedrooms and decorated it as a proper office. So it feels like when I come in here, this is work. And when I leave, yeah. that's home. Um, plus, I always just wanted to do up a proper office so I've got a couple of tub chairs in the corner you know so every now and again I get up walk six feet sit in a tub chair and pretend that I'm thinking um so that's good but Your yes thinking chairs. my thinking chairs yes and you've got two little kids I have I have <laughs> I have a little boy who's four Jack and a little girl Willow who is eight months now mm. have you been to see Willow you've sent her you've sent her a yet, cushion no. oh, shame on you You've seen Jack a few times. Jack knows you. Aunt, Aunt Yana. Aunt Yana. Um, bacon. <laughs> that, that went a bit Scottish, that. You're better at doing the same bacon in Yorkshire than I am. I, I've forgotten the bacon thing. Yeah, you've always make fun of Jack the way he said bacon. Oh, yeah. No, he says really funny things. Like he says, um, digger. Digger. And truck. And what, 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 I love, what I love about him is he makes up words. So he'll say, Daddy, that takes for ages. So, you know, a cross between forever and ages. And, uh, <laughs> and he can't say swimming. He says swimming. Swimming. We're off swimming. So, yeah, it's cute. And Willow doesn't talk yet, so we don't know what she's like. She doesn't say much. She's quite quiet. So, uh, yes, I have two kids. What do you think Jack's going to be when he grows up? Um, at the minute, he's going to be a dinosaur. <laughs> Um, I can't get anything else out of him, although he did tell me that he wants to... Um, Daddy, when I grow up, I want to um, I want to ride a, I want a horse so that I can ride it to playgroup. And he went, when you grow up, son, you'll have a job. He went, right. And I went, so you'll have to ride your horse to work. And he went, but how will I get it up the stairs? Because <laughs> he thinks that work's my office, you know what I mean? And that's where he's going to work when he finishes. You know, so he's got no concept of, like, you know, a nine-to-five job. <laughs> I'm sure by the time he gets a job, he'll be looking at something like a Ferrari. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Jack's quite eccentric. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he went to work on a horse, you know, and just tethered it up in a car park somewhere. You know, some executive comes out and there's a big pile of horse turd next to his wheels, you know what I mean? But Jack would love that. I mean, that's just, that's just Jack all over. <laughs> how do you um, how do you balance work and family? Um, with difficulty. <laughs> <laughs> Um, work, work, work can take over quite a bit, but, um, I'm always, I always make sure that I finish, um, you see, I'm quite, I'm I'm in quite a lucky position. Um, when I, when I went self-employed, which is coming up to two years now, full-time self-employed, I've worked from home since January, 2010. Um, and I worked, um, I worked remotely for Headscape, Paul, Paul Barks company, Mm -hmm. um, for about 18 months. And then I went freelance um, so I've worked at home from up for a long time, and during the time that I've been at home and working, um, my wife um, has gone to university to study 
midwifery and it's yeah. a three-year car. She's on maternity leave at the minute, but she's going back uh, in June for her last year. Um, so because she's doing uni work and working all the time herself and she'll be on placement, things like that, um, it's kind of not of an issue that I'm working all the time as well because even if I wasn't working, we wouldn't be seeing each other very much. <laughs> so it's, so what, I have a second desk in my office where she'll do her uni work and I'll do it here. So we're kind of together. That's but nice. we're both working on our own things, so it's nice that we're actually see each other. So we can have a natter and things like that. And I always make sure that um, five o'clock, I'm downstairs feeding kids, getting them bath, getting them to bed, reading the stories and stuff. So from their point of view, they see me as much as they would if I had a nine to five anyway. Yeah. Um, it's just when it comes to the evenings and stuff, you know. But uh, you know, sit down, have dinner, watch Emmerdale. Not Corrie, I can't be bothered with Corrie, but I like Emmerdale. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I spend in time with missus and then, uh, and then go back to work. Um, it depends how busy I am. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get to a point where I don't have to work so much in the evenings, but invariably, uh, it's not always the case. Um, I mean, I mean, Dan, Dan Rubin once said to me in an interview, um, that, you know, this is kind of a lifestyle choice rather than a job. It just becomes yeah. part of, because equally so, you'll you'll nip out in the afternoon and go to the garden centre and buy some plants for your garden, or you know, or something, <laughs> or something like that. You know, because you'll make the time up later on. It's kind of you don't have any set hours in this kind of job. You can you can be as flexible as you want to be as long as the work gets done. Yeah, um, which is one of the. Uh, it's not for everybody, but it's it certainly suits me. Do you find it helps to have a kind of routine? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I always make sure I'm sat down. Um, between nine and half past and uh, you know and I'll have lunch with kids uh, around about 12 o'clock when they need feeding and uh, and then and then finish at five I always make sure that I get dressed I don't sit here in a dressing gown um, yeah, like some people important. do I think it's important to kind of you know I'm not putting a suit on or anything like some extremists do but I do get dressed and you know and there needs to be some some way of knowing this is work time yeah. Um and, and Jack's I mean obviously Willow don't interrupt me yet, I'm sure she'll get to that, but Jack Jack's pretty good at just knowing that daddy's working. Yeah. Do you do like do you shut the door or something? I do shut the door, but um the little blight is growing all the time, so he can actually reach handles now. <laughs> so he just comes in anyway, so that no, don't really matter. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, it comes in every now and again and goes, Daddy, I can't get past this level on Angry Birds. I have a very surreal life actually. <laughs> Um, you know, I'll wake up in the morning and before I've even run off my eyes, an iPad's thrust in my face. Daddy, daddy, can you can you do this level on Angry Birds? And I'm like there in the dark, squinting, trying to do an Angry Birds level. <laughs> and then I'll go down for breakfast and my, and my wife got me these, this box of um, paper aeroplanes. Um, it's like 360, a paper aeroplane for every day of the year. Oh, wow. I think I've tweeted a picture of one that I folded up and they're quite intricate. There's a, like, I think there's an American guy and a Japanese guy. And they've uh, they've got very different styles, and one does like fighters, and the other one does like kind of traditional, you know, gliding planes. Yeah. Um, and I end up building one of them every morning. So I have this kind of weird, you know, sleep deprived, um, you know, routine of you know playing games and building airplanes, and then going to work. <laughs> It's, it's, yeah, it's, Sounds fun. It's, it's kind of fun, yeah. yeah. It's got to the point now where I don't even have to look at the instructions. I can build most of the planes from memory. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, do they do the same ones over again? Well, yeah, it gets to a point where there's about there's probably about 60 different variants and then it, right. it's just, we're getting to a point where it's repeating itself now. But, so, yeah, I was disappointed as well. Um, 
you know. So I'll make a play and Jack will throw it and they'll go, Daddy, that's not a good glider. Make another one. No. <laughs> no, I'm not making another one. Wait till tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> you know. So. <laughs> yeah. So what what's kind of your typical day? You described the morning. But... Oh. Well, that's before I start work, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really depends what I'm working on. Um, so... I mean, some days I'll just be sat coding or designing solid. Um, some days I'll be full of meetings. Um, it, can be, it, it can be quite varied. Um, I, I've um, I've recently, well, as of last week, um, taken on a uh, junior developer slash apprentice slash intern type lad mm-hmm. Um for for a couple of reasons, really, I, I want, I'm, I'm getting to a point where I need an extra pair of hands on a lot of stuff. So it's having somebody I can just say, "Can you work with me on this today?" and uh, and you know we can both work on the same thing and merge it in a Git repo and and, and save time that way. Um, but also, you know, I just want to expand the business a little bit, take on some of the smaller projects that I tend to have to turn down because I'm working on such big big things. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of work on the medium to large project range. Um, so there's a lot of requests I get in to do small personal websites or small shops and things like that. Yeah. Um, that, you know, comparatively are very, very small jobs. I'll be working on some stuff for six months. Yeah. Um, so, and, 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 and you know, it's it's still there's still little jobs that I'd like to I'd like to be able to turn around. So, having an extra resource in to work on things like that, um, I think it's going to be useful. And and, and you know, we're just seeing how it goes. He's he's, he's just um, he's just starting out, so he's um, he's learning he's learning now, but he's picking it up really quickly, and he's and he's is eager and everything. So it's uh, we'll see how that that pans out. It was already it was it was already very cool having him last week. So it saved me. Uh, we, we were working on. A, project together i've just thrown him straight into deep end because that's <laughs> that's how i roll um <laughs> so we're working on a on a site and he was uh he was migrating some sites between servers and updating some some front end stuff and and then we merged what we've been doing together and it all worked really well because uh it's when you work on your own it's, I, I, don't, I don't i don't get the opportunity really to do much kind of proper git branching and merging and you know, conflict mm. management and all that kind of stuff. It tends to just Probably be a... for the best. <laughs> well, it's quite fun, actually, when you get into it. I know, I know I sound like a complete geek, but um, <laughs> I'll branch off some work that we're doing, and I'll go, oh, look, if I switch branches, look, all the work changes, you know. <laughs> but I don't really need to do that um, a lot of the time because I'll, uh, I'll do kind of the front-end stuff, and they'll get, they get committed to a repo. I'm, I'm, aware, yeah. I'm aware of all this functionality, but um, I'll kind of hand over front-end templates to a back-end team um, and work with them on kind of, uh, you know, a discussion of how they're going to be integrated and stuff. But um, there didn't tend to be much of, you know, a few people working on one repo. You know, they'll 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 kind of take static templates as a, in isolation and then they'll build the back-end system and pull those templates in, you know. So mm-hmm. quite, quite fun scene. scene. And, and, and it's also a good opportunity for me to really refine my work processes, some stuff that I've got. I've just changed the code editor that I'm using. I've changed from Espresso to Sublime. Mm-hmm. Um, and mainly because you get into this routine of just loading up your editor and starting work. But yeah. there's some really cool features in Sublime um, 
that save so much time, little shorthands and multiple cursors and what? <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's quite it's quite cool. There's some video there's um some video tutorials on uh, NetTuts um on how to optimize your sublime workflow. And I was watching that going, Oh, this is cool. So I've switched over to that. There's a few things that it, it doesn't do that really annoy me and make life a bit difficult compared to my previous workflow, but the improvements far outweigh the uh the um the shortcomings so so yes it's a good opportunity for me to really nail down my workflow because i'm teaching him kind of the way i work so yes it's good all around it's good all around yeah what was the question again (laughs) (laughs) i think it was um started off with what was your typical day um so where did you where did you find your apprentice where did i find him well, um, he was actually a lad that I've known. I've known him for a long time. Um, and he's 20 now, but I, I, I actually babysat him when he was about eight. Um, <laughs> he's, he started off, he's, funnily enough, he's he gone down a similar career path to me um, yeah. in that he started off in IT, um, which is what I started off at. And I, when I got into IT, I, I was an IT technician for seven years. And... Um, when I started out, as soon as I left school, I started as a, a like a workshop engineer fixing computers and stuff. But back then, we were still like taking some, you know, soldering off chips on routers and putting new processing chips on, you know, actually repairing circuit boards. Whereas mm. nowadays, you just chuck it in the bin and get another one. Um, so, but, so I was right at the tail end of actually properly fixing computers. Um, and by the time I'd finished in IT, um, I was working at University of Leeds in their IT department, and it was literally, if, it, if the base unit broke, you took it off, put a new base unit in, and sent it back to Dell. If the software got messed up, you connected to the server and reinstalled it remotely, and that was it, job done. So you just became this kind of monkey going around carrying PCs and clicking buttons. Yeah. There, was no, there was no technical expertise or knowledge required, you know, it, it, it was just it was just boring. So I switched careers. I started looking at alternatives and switched careers and went to web design. He he followed the same path in that he he was studying like computer science and all this. I was trying to get jobs in IT and found that there wasn't really anything. You know, really? I, well, IT's IT's part of his day to day life. But you know, if if your phone breaks, what do you do? You go and get a new one. If your computer breaks, you know, you go and get a new one. When you can buy a computer, when you can buy a PC for three hundred quid, you're not going to pay two hundred quid for a technician to come out and fix it, are you? Yeah. You know, so it was just finding that there wasn't much out there for him. Um, so I just actually had a chat with him and said, "Well, would you be interested in web?" And he went, "Well, I've not really done anything about it, but you know, tell me a bit about what, what's involved." So I showed him some of the stuff I were doing, and I, it, you know that click moment that some that people have when they realise this is really cool you know yeah. and you can do a lot like we, we, we all kind of have it you kind of have a tinker around and go oh actually i'm really enjoying this um you kind of i could see that dawning on his face and like going oh yeah yeah i'd really i'd be really interested in this um so i gave him a few books and he, he had a look through and, and he was still really interested i gave him uh jeffrey zeldman's designing with web standards and not yeah designing with web standards and all this and a few other books and he had a look through and uh, so we're just we're just starting out. He's on a bit of a trial at the minute, you know, see how it goes over the next six months or so. Um, 
but so far, I mean, he's picked up a lot in the last week that he's been working with me. Um, and he seems to be really enjoying it. So um, I thought I'd give him a chance and um, I thought it'd be a nice thing to do as well. Someone gave me a chance all them years ago when I was getting into uh, into web web design and web development. So it's nice to pass that on, really. And, mm-hmm. I'd, and I'd hope that in six, seven, eight years' time, he'd do the same thing for someone else, you know? Yeah, that's really good. It's something that um, I think it's quite a difficult step to kind of take someone else on, but it's sounds like it's helping you a lot. Because I know, I know you're really busy. Yeah, you, you've got that risk that it could be a hindrance because of all the teaching you're having to do. Mm. Um, and but as I say, it, it's, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. It, 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 you, are taking, you are taking time up to teach somebody a, a, a trade, a craft, um, but in doing so, you're actually analysing your own approaches to doing work yeah. and and making yourself more efficient. So you're actually clawing some of that time back because you're thinking about your process and the way that you work and the time that you give up teaching someone else that, you're clawing some of that time back because you're making your own process more efficient. Yeah. Um, but also, as I say, it's actually been useful. We were working on the same on the same project last week and he did it he did like some HTML5 video embedding and uh, and getting it tested and making sure it was working he had the flash fall back for the older versions of IE and things like that that nice. that was required so he was working on that while I was working on like a JavaScript carousel and you know and that's that's something I would have had to have done if he'd not done it and then we just merged at the end of the day and it, it and it saved time um, but he was learning in the process so it's you know it's, it's, it's it, it, I think I think you know, over the next couple of months, two or three months, we'll get to a point where, you know, he's going to, he's going to be able to take on, you know, proper work. And actually, um, I'd love to, I, I can't wait to get, to get to a point where I can say, here's the design for a project, um, start marking it up, you know, and, and, yeah. and have that, have that resource and that kind of know that that's available or be able to say, I need your help with this for the next couple of days and both work on something because something's quite a big job. You know, I think I think when you decide that you want that kind of resource within your company, it's never even if you get someone who's experienced. It's it, there's still a period where um, it doesn't happen straight away. Someone doesn't start on day one and fits straight into a company and fits straight into all the processes and becomes, you know, it's like wow, I've got this resource from day one. I think there's always a build up. You know, while people get settled in. And, um, and and you know and learn the company's processes or the person they're working with's process, and um, and you know you know so and that's and that's just that's just the the same thing here except I'm getting to mould him without it, it, I mean he's got no concept of a table based website mm. you know and all the kind of stuff we've fought with with regards to web standards which are now pretty much consistent against across all modern browsers. All the stuff we fought with for the last, you know, however many years, he hasn't really got to worry about. It's like it's like when I first started, I'd skipped the kind of browser wars, you know, of the late nineties that everybody talked about and the dot com boot, uh, bus, you know, explosion or whatever they refer to it as. I'd missed all that, you know, and so like people like Paul Boag when he was telling me about it, it was just kind of history of the web industry. Well, all the stuff now that we've worked through and helped kind of um, 
refine and talk about and talk about standards and things like that and get to the level that we're now currently at, all that stuff's history for him. You know, he's coming straight into it. So the first website I built was a CSS-based website, and it was all, you know, proper divs and semantics and everything. I didn't have that kind of flip between having to unlearn one way of building a website in tables and then learn how to build them properly, <laughs> build them properly <laughs> in CSS. He's going to come straight into with all this kind of resource of all these web standards and accessibility standards and you know, coding conventions and all these really great tools that we've now got available and been building up for the last few years, he's coming straight into that. And it's going to be interesting to see um, to see his take on it, see it from his perspective, because he, he hasn't been polluted with what's come before. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he gets on with it and whether that kind of helps or hinders him a bit. Yeah. I just want to take a moment to thank um, our first sponsor, which is Hammer for Mac. Hammer for Mac is a beautifully designed app for people like me who write HTML. You can use your favourite code editor and Hammer sits in the background, takes your production files and compiles them into a build folder, which is inside of your project. And when you save files, it does lots of nifty things like it compiles SAS and CoffeeScript. And when you hit save, it automatically reloads the browser. And rather than using PHP includes, you can use HTML includes. So you don't need to set up a local server. And you can also use something called Clever Paths. And what that does is it lets you write the file name to an image, script or style sheet. And that tells Hammer to search your project for the file and magically write the full path. So let's say that you want to show a client the site that you're working on, but you don't want to set up a server. What you do is you click on the Publish Build button, and that saves your site to the space that Riot provide for free. And that gives you a URL that you can share with your client. This is perfect for demo and work in progress, um, like Andy and Nora were talking about a couple of shows ago. So give Hammer a go for your next project. You should especially try it if you haven't written SAS before and you want to get to grips with that. They've got 14-day trial, and when you're ready to upgrade, it's only $16.99 or $23.99 in the Mac App Store. And if you go to our special URL, which is hammerformac.com forward slash unfinished, they'll know we sent you. Have you tried Hammer? I haven't. It's very similar to CodeKit, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's got a few... Um, yeah, a few sort of, extra features. That... Yeah, the things like the, the Clever Paths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got that. So, um, yeah, I'm just looking. This is, I've not seen this before, so interesting. Yeah. I know that you do a lot of SAS. Yes, um, I do a lot of SAS. Well, I can't live without SAS these days. I've become quite... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, SAS does all my math. <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I had to, um, I kind of had a day where I worked out all the math for doing, you know, for working everything out I needed to work out, got it all into like a, a core include file, and then I forgot in the whole of it. <laughs> you know, I now have to search on how to actually do, you know, the math to work out a proper M or yeah. do a percentage. My math is rubbish, so. <laughs> Mine too. I think I've used some of your, um, you, you wrote a couple of articles in .NET that I've been kind of cribbing off. <laughs> uh, so yeah i mean i love it it's, it saves me so much time yeah so. so i wanted to ask you um this week i got an email from someone who describes themselves as an aspiring front-end developer and i thought you'd be a good person to ask about this um so he said i'm trying to get started in front-end development but i'm having trouble putting putting together a portfolio specifically what should be included in my portfolio that either employers agencies or potential clients would want to see that demonstrates my abilities for instance should i build a site using backbone.js bootstrap all of them 
And what type of functionality should I include? Certain CSS3, HTML5 components, jQuery and Pure.js? I don't have any clients now, so my plan is to just redo existing sites. My problem is I'm not sure where to start. So how do you go about this when you started out? And how do you, and do you have any tips on how I can overcome this? Do you have any, any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, uh, when, when I started out, I, I mean, I still do. I, st- I design and I do front end dev, but primarily these days, um, about 75% of my time I'm doing front end dev work. Yeah. Um, and I've thought about this myself with regards to my portfolio site and, and I need to update mine, um, quite badly. It's one of the things always gets neglected. Don't it? it falls to the bottom yeah. of the list. Um, but I think, I think one of the things, and I know I, I thought like this in particular when I first started out was, um, I had this I had this misconception that I had to have kind of ownership of the entire build of a site for me to be able to claim it as my own because mm. I had to, you know, for me, I had to have done the design and done the front end and plugged it into a CMS. And if I'd not done all those things and, and been able to say I've done every little bit of those things, um, I can put it in my portfolio. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of a bit, a bit of a silly way of thinking about it really because as a front end dev, um, Assumably, you're going to have to have worked with a designer to build a website, um, and a client doesn't know about the frameworks that we use, things like boilerplate and things like that. They're just things to make your life easier and to build a more professional site. Um, when you're putting things in your portfolio, what a client's impressed with is the quality of the final product. Yeah. So if you've worked with a designer who's done a beautiful design and you've built it and you made it responsive and it works, you know, lovely and it's got, you know, maybe it's got some animations in it, it's got some nice use of um, CSS3 techniques and lovely fallbacks for browsers that don't support those things, and the client can see the end result, include that in your portfolio, but make sure you say, I'm a front-end developer, this is what I did, I worked with this fantastic designer, um, to produce this site, you know, mm. it's, it, it, it's still your work, but you, you worked with somebody else to do it. Yeah. Um, and and I, don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, talk with the designer first, obviously, to say, you know, is it okay if we include this in this, pop, in this portfolio site? Because they're going to include the finished site in their portfolio, and they're going to have, without your work, they couldn't do that. Yeah. All they could do is put flat images. <laughs> So it's the same thing. It's just that you've done that. You've built it and made it an interactive website um, for their portfolio, and they've designed it, and you know for your portfolio. So that's 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 how I see it. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, for for impre- I, I think I think one of the keys is to just work with the best designers you can find. Yeah, one of the problems that um, I've had before is that if I put a kind of picture of the site on my portfolio, people assume that I've done done the design. I have to make it really clear, you know, I didn't work on the design, someone else did. Um, I just did these specific bits because I don't want people to think I'm a designer because I'm not a very good one. Um, I want people to sort of, you know, talk to me about front-end work, not not design work. Absolutely. But but equally, equally so, and you have got to make that clear and you've got to let people notice that. But if they visit a site, and say, I really like this site, I like the way it works, this person built this site, and they come to you and say, um, I really like the work you did on such and such site, you can then go back to the designer and bring them in as a subcontractor and say, 
um, will you work with me on this new project? Yeah. Because invariably, it, it doesn't always work in that the designer gets the gets the work and then brings in the subcontractor. It can work the other way as well. The subcontractor gets the work, uh, the front end developer gets the work and brings in the designer. Yeah. Um, you know, half of the about about fifty percent of the work I do comes through me, and then I bring a I bring a designer on board. Um, and then the other half is designers come to me and say, I've got this project, will you, will you build it for me? Yeah. So, you know, that's fine as long as when you have that conversation with the client, you say, well, I didn't design it, but, um, I can bring the designer on board to work on it. They're usually happy with that as long as they're going to get, you know, as long as their finished products, their finished site is going to be of the same kind of quality, which it is because the same two people are working on it. You know, as long as they picked up the phone and made that call and had that discussion with you, and you have made that clear, I don't think there's any problem with that, really. Yeah, I think as well, it um, you've got to think about your portfolio. Who is it aimed at? Is it aimed at agencies or is it aimed at, at kind of clients? Because they have very different um, expectations of what a portfolio should have. So, an agency, they'll probably want to see code examples. They'll want to see specific kind of things that you've done on a particular site, maybe a write-up of, of the technology you've used, whereas a client, they'll just probably want to see something quite shiny and um, that explains sort of um, not necessarily how you built it, but how you've met timescales and deadlines. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, if you think about it this way, if, um, if so I, I work a lot with um, Naomi Atkinson. She's a fantastic designer and I love working with her and she's, uh, I'd work with her anytime. But if we work on a site together and she's including it in her portfolio, the things that she'll focus on, on in her portfolio will be the overall design of the site and then things like the illustration work that she's done and the little yeah. details and things like that. If it's going in my portfolio, the things I focus on are the responsiveness and any 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 little technical. You know, if an area switches from being a tabbed interface to a to a drop down menu um, when you get down to mobile size, and they're the things I'd focus on. So they're very different. You know, we focus on the bits that we've worked on. Um, and but as I say, equally so, if someone comes in and sees that project, sees that work, and thinks I like that, they can contact either one of us and. We have the, we, you know, we can pick up the phone and say, "Do you want to work with me on with this new client?" And if we have availability, then we can do. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think you've just got to. I think it's. I think. I think it's important that you just consider, like you say, your audience and how you're going to construct and convey the right information on your on your own personal portfolio site. You know, so that it's made clear of what you've done. Yeah, and I think as well talking about the technology that you've used, if you if you've used things like SaaS, GitHub, um, people love to know about that sort of thing because if you're going to work with someone, you need to know if they they're sort of compatible with the tools that you use as well. Um, so I'd want to know if I were hiring another front end developer, I'd, I'd want to know, um, you know, do they know SaaS? Can they work with GitHub? Um, can they work with a team? Because a lot of a lot of um, people, if they've worked on their own a lot not necessarily good at working in a big team um are they good at meeting deadlines that's a really important thing can they think on their own like do they have initiative or do i have to tell them what to do all the time so you know having like a little blog post um when i had more time i used to write a blog post about each project that i'd worked on and the sorts of decisions i've made so i talk about some of the meetings that we had and um some things that i talk about things like card sorts i did um, this is back when I did kind of the whole website from 
from start to finish. Um, and I think that that really conveys kind of that you're professional, that you're thinking about things, that you're not just going in there, doing the job and running away. Yeah. You're not a monkey. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because there's different paths to getting work. So some people find work through their interaction with the community, through blog posts and writings and things like that. Um, I, mean, I don't know about you, but a lot of the work I get comes from kind of, I suppose, word of mouth. Yeah, so I'll yeah, work. I'll, yeah, I'll work on a project, and then that'll lead to someone contacting me because they've seen the work that I've done on that, and then it just ends up spiraling in that way. Yeah, um, my portfolio is a bit useless in that sense. Yeah, I could not have it at all, and um, because it, it's like the the project that I work on, the very next project is related to that one. It's you know someone who's sort of passed me on to um, someone else who's working on something similar. Um, I don't really, I feel like I don't really need to maintain it, but at the same time, um, it's just nice for me to remember what I've worked on. Um, I mean, it's funny because how many, how many people do you know that are considered fantastic designers or front end developers in the industry, but you go to the website and it's just a link to all their social feeds. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they don't have anything on there and it's like, we know that they're good, but we can't really point to anything that they've worked on. Yeah, I find that quite difficult when I'm because um, a lot of the time I'll get requests for work that um, I just can't take on because I'm too busy, and I like to recommend other people. But often there's nowhere to point them to. I want to show them a portfolio and say this is what this person's worked on, but I can't do that if there's nothing there. And often I'll just move on to another person. And that's that happened to me a lot long ago. I had uh, I had some people get in touch that wanted me to do the design and build for a for for you user interface for a bit of software that they had and they said can you show us some design examples and up to then I'd spent nearly a whole year working on front-end dev stuff and mm-hmm. I, I knew that I could do it no no problem you know but there was nothing to show them so they went with someone else you know what I mean so it's but for every for every person that you lose there's another two people around corner you know what I mean yeah. I don't think I don't think you need to sway it on the ones that you don't end up getting so what would you suggest to someone who's just started out in front-end development, like the person who's emailed in, saying um, he's asking whether he should just redo an existing site um, if he doesn't have any clients, he wants to get that kind of first one? Um, I mean, yeah, that's an option. Um, you, can, you, can go, you can go down that route. Um, I, I think I always, I, if you can, try and find something that actually needs building. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the first website... I can't remember if it was the first or second. The first couple of websites I built, um, one was for a majorette association called the YCA, which my, my wife's involved with. She's been involved with majorettes for the last 20-odd years. And she's like a judge in this this association. And, and years and years ago, the first website I built was for this. It's just gone down, actually. They got somebody else in to replace it. Um, but this was like the first site I built. And I built, I programmed in PHP my, my own, uh, admin system to update the content in it and everything that was like my first kind of learning how to write php to do like database calls and pull content in and all things like this so that like a really good way to learn um, i mean it was shocking to look at <laughs> I mean, absolutely shocking i mean i've got some screenshots of it and i don't know if i want the world to see them but i'm kind of glad it's gone down now but uh, <laughs> but at the time that was fantastic for me to learn you know Photoshop and get some designs together and markup and nothing that I build now. We know I'm way, I like to consider myself way beyond that now, but 
um, at the time that was that was brilliant and it was a site that was being used by quite a few people quite a few other major kids and parents and things like that yeah. And then uh, and, and another site from around about that time was, and this, this is showing how much of a geek I am, but I was playing a game called Guild Wars. <laughs> and, uh, and, and in Guild Wars, as the name suggests, you would join a guild of people. So there were about 100 of us in this guild. I think they're called War Masters or something like that. And we all chatted and stuff, but we wanted a forum um, to be able to discuss tactics for kicking the opposition's ass and all this. And so I built this, um, I built this website for War Masters and again did PHP. So like a little admin system I'd programmed to update it and stuff. And, um, back then I was playing with Flash. So I had like this 360 rotation. So I'd, I'd stood in game and I took screenshots while my man were turning round. And then, <laughs> I, then, I, then, I, then I stitched them all together in a full 368 degree panoramic. Nice. And then, and then it scrolled on this, on this flash thing. And these, then, and, and, and there were about five of them and it randomly picked one on load. So again, writing a bit of PHP to just randomly pick a, pick a animation on each page load. And then it rotated around, which they look quite yeah. cool. But this were all stuff for me to just learn. Um, yeah. but these were stuff that were being used. So it gives you that incentive, that motivation to get it built because you know someone's going to use it. I Whereas think that's so important. It, Rather than just sort of picking um, picking an existing site like American Airlines or something and, and redoing that, I think if it's your first project, it's really important to to work with people because that's that's part of what an agency or an employer will judge you on is how well you work with other people and clients. And if you can work with like a charity, um, maybe like a family friend who wants a website done, um, and just use it as a kind of um, as a as an example of what you can, what you're capable of. Um, and the guy's asking, you know, should I use, um, CSS3, HTML5? Yes. <laughs> um, I'd look at using SAS as well, just because that's something that a lot of employers are looking for. Um, boot, bootstrap, I don't think you should use that for an example site because, um, you know, it's great for like a prototype or something, but if you're trying to show off your front end chops, then, um, it doesn't really do that because it, it's already kind of done that for you. Um, but it's a good, it's a good thing to kind of practice on or, or kind of build example sites with. Um, just use things that you're comfortable with, but maybe want to be challenged a bit. Um, but also gives you the opportunity to, to sort of stretch your skills and, um, and of course, make sure that you, that the person you're working with is happy with that you're kind of using that as an example site. And, um, don't sort of, don't let them mess you about in the sense that if you're doing it unpaid, um, you know, make sure that you know what the limits are to the project, that it's not just going to go on and on and never have an end. And they're going to ask you for hundreds of pages, you know, make sure you, you make it really clear what the specification is, what they're going to get so that you don't spend years and years working on it, um, or have to maintain it if you don't want to do that. I mean, I think an interesting. I think there's an interesting segue question into um, something else you mentioned. I think just before we came on, came on air, um, <laughs> in that the role of a front end developer has really changed. Hasn't yeah. It? yeah. Um, I mean, I'd I'd hate to be just starting out, <laughs> yeah. um, and I'm finding and I'm finding this again with with uh, with my my new lad. In that, I sat down and thought, right, I'm going to teach you how to build websites. Where do you start? There's so much because I mean, back when we, I mean, I think I only started out maybe a couple of years before you did, really. So um, back when we started out, 
in fact, I remember having a question, uh, having the discussion with you that first time we met. Um, you didn't know what a doc type was. Yeah, <laughs> do you remember? Yeah, I, and didn't. I told you what a doc type was. Yeah. So this, this is we've known each other a long time. Um, <laughs> so about, but back then, you know, there wasn't really a front end developer. You were just a web designer. Yeah. And and you didn't need need to know JavaScript. You just did you know, HTML and CSS, and you were a fully fledged web designer as far as the world of the web was concerned. Yeah. Um, but now there's so much, so much more complexity to the role, um, and you know you have a, to have a much broader skill set, um, and it's much more focused. You now get people who just do front end development. Well, yeah, and I've seen people in a lot of job ads, um, front end developers are asking for things like Ruby on Rails, and it's kind of getting to the point where it's like this is a lot of back-end stuff but also a lot of design stuff it's just so broad now and I'm, I'm worried you know I'm I'm struggling to keep on top of it all yeah kind of learn stuff while doing doing a lot of work and um, I think it's very difficult now for people starting out I, I kind of I feel like the front-end role is going to split um, maybe two ways to be kind of um, in between design and um, sort of uh, JavaScript and then from JavaScript to sort of a bit of backend, but not backend development. It just feels, it feels incredibly broad at the moment. And I don't know how, I know a few people who managed to keep on top of it all, but um, they're very few and far between. It, it, it's interesting how much there's always overlap I find. So, um, I, I mean, this is my personal opinion, but, the best designers are the ones that don't necessarily know how to be front-end developers but understand the technical requirements involved. Yeah, yeah. Um, because there are things that, you know, I, I, I'm looking up to work with some really great designers and you can tell when you're sifting through their PSDs and things like that that they've thought about how their designs are going to be implemented. Absolutely. They'll um, be thinking of he- heading levels. And things. Exactly. And, um, you know, <laughs> you, you, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you can, you can see in the way it's constructed and I, I've worked with some other, other designers that are really good, but you can tell that they've come from a background in print and don't really have a, 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 a really solid grasp of things like, you know, front end development and, and responsive layouts and things like that. So you look at their work and you think, yeah, it looks, it looks really pretty. And I can turn this into a website, but from our point of view as front-end devs, it takes that additional time because you're having to work out or, or take what they've done and figure out how you're going to make it work in, in the front, you know, in, in the final produced site. Um, and I think it's interesting that when you really get into it, um, the different levels, um, and, 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 and as well, if you work with somebody who's a, who's a good designer and a good front-end developer, um, the stuff that you get back from them, if you're working with them in a purely design capacity, um, the stuff you get back from them, it's so noticeable that they, they, know, they, would, they know how they would build this website and they've designed it accordingly. Yeah. I want to ask you a question related to that. Um, but first, um, I just want to thank our, our second sponsor, which is Beyond Teleland. And Beyond Teleland is a, a conference and workshop event for the web community that's curated by a good friend, uh, Mark Teal. So this year's event is in May, um, so May the 27th to the 29th, in the wonderful city of Dusseldorf in Germany. Mark's an excellent conference organiser, and everything about Beyond Teleland has his personal style, right down to his choice of speakers. 
It's like he chooses people he'd love to hear speak and invites an audience to listen with him. So there's an amazing lineup this year. We've got Josh Brewer, um, principal designer at Twitter, Mandy Brown, co-founder and CEO of Editorially, Blaine Cook, Aaron Gustafson, Elliot J. Stocks, Chris Harmon, Brad Frost and the amazing Harry Roberts. So one of the nice things that Mark does is that he videos all of his events and then publishes those videos online for everyone to see. So have a look at the previous talks on vimeo.com forward slash Beyond Telleland. Beyond Telleland is happening in Dusseldorf in Germany, May 27th to 29th, and tickets are available now for €249. So to find out more, book your ticket, um, go to beyond, that's B-Y-N-D dot I-T forward slash unfinished B-Z. And use the offer code UNFINISHED4 for 10% of the standard price. Mm. Have you been to Beyond Thailand? I wanted to go last year um, and I didn't. I don't know why I didn't. Um, but yeah, I, I want to go to this conference. It's amazing. Yeah, it's announced loads of speakers who I really, really want to see. Like um, Brad Frost, I've never seen him speak. Um, Harry Roberts, obviously. We, we talk about him quite a bit on the show. Um, I think um, Andy has a bit of a crush on him. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good lineup, very good lineup. Yeah, I've seen a few of these people before, but they're very good. It's a few people here I've never seen speak as well. Yeah, no, that's always good. So I had a question from Laura Cowbag. Um, she says, because uh, I asked on Twitter, you know, if anyone wants to ask you any questions. Um, so she asked. Um, it'd be cool to hear you guys talk about the relationships between developers and designers on projects. Um, so what happens when you're hybrids and how do you make things run smoothly on both sides during a project? Um, good question. Um, it's, it's funny really because a lot of, a lot of the people I work with have become my friends as well. Yeah. Um, and we kind of have a shorthand with each other. Um, and that, that kind of comfortable relationship with each other when it comes to working and, and we're all very professional um, and we don't want to let each other down. Um, so we, uh, I'm, I'm looking, I don't have many kind of conflicts from like a, that kind of point of view. Um, and, you know, I know that I can pass stuff to people I'm working with and I know it's going to get done. I know it's going to get done very well. Um, and, 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 you know, vice versa. I like to think that I think that about me. Um, I think hybrids working together works, typically works quite well. Um, unless you have a major disagreement on how something should be built because <laughs> <laughs> everybody's got different styles. Yeah. Um, but invariably I've not had much really much of an issue with that um normally it's been if if somebody if i'm working with somebody who's designing something it's their design it's their baby and i'm not going to stick my nose in unless i'm asked and they say you know what do you think of this and i'll i'll give some constructive feedback but usually they're the designer that's their area and they they give across that same level of respect with the build they know that their design as long as their design looks the way it's supposed to look and performs the way it's supposed to perform. They leave the, um, they leave the build to me. And if you're working with, you know, other professionals at your level, then I don't think that's really an issue because the reason that you're working with them is because you know that you're going to work, you know, you're going to get, unless it's an unknown, unless you're working with someone you've never worked with before, um, which is always, always interesting. Um, 
to see to see whether or not you're going to gel. Yeah. Um, and if you do, then great, and everything runs smoothly. And if you don't, then invariably you, you work with other people next time. Um, I don't think there's a, a magic bullet, really. I think you've just got to, you know, you have this circle of people that you tr- know, know and trust and that are good at what they do, and, you know, and, and you, you gradually add more people to that circle as you as you venture out into the web world um, and eventually it gets to a size where it's kind of self-sustaining. You know, you've got access to enough designers and developers um, to, to, to produce a project and produce it well. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very, I'm very laid back. I'm not, I'm not one of these kind of corporate type, you know, I, I, I kind of build relationships with the people I'm working with and get yeah. along and chat and, you know, and, and invariably what will start off as very straight laced. Let's get the project started. Once you've given, sent them the few updates, you know, someone's, you know, design, you're working with a designer and I like to work in a one-to-one way anyway. Um, you know, I, I, I hate it when people expect to just send me some PSD files and then yeah, that's it. And- um, yeah. I want to talk. I want to talk with the designer and um, and and understand why they've made those choices, and because that informs how I'm going to build it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I look for I look for I look for working with people where I can build those kinds of relationships. Um, and you know, invariably, once you've sent them a few updates, you know, you've said this is my work in progress, and they see that their design's getting realised and they're happy with what's happening. You know, next thing you know, you're chatting about home life and kids and you know, <laughs> you know and uh and, and you get friendly and then and then and then invariably that leads to more work because you've 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 established it's all about relationships it's who you it really is who you know and being personable you know if you're going to be if you're going to be a grumpy in this industry i don't think you're, i don't think you're going to get right far unless you're making a career of you know making a career of being a grumpy um which some people um are you going to bleep out all my swears yeah all right. Um, you know, which some, which some which some people do. You know, some people make themselves renowned for being. But they're a minority. I think one of the things I really like about this industry is is all the kind of social events and the conferences. And you know, the conferences are always great, but you, you, you I think you get the most return value from the social events afterwards because you get chatting okay. with people about what you've seen and what you've done and you swap cards or mobile numbers or skypes and things and you know most conferences i've gone to have led to additional work later down the line with people that i've been chatting to and i've thought i'd really love to work with you or like the work you've been doing and you know and, and it's led to other work so i think i think you've just got to be personable yeah definitely um, and and also, also know from a professional level where your responsibilities end. So um, if you're working with, if you were two hybrids, um, like for example, uh, if me and Laura were working together, I asked, I asked the question. Um, Laura's a Laura's a really good designer and a really good front end developer. Well, I'm a designer and a front end developer as well. Um, so if we were working on a project together and she was designing it, um, she she's she's gone through that whole process of deciding how that site should be designed, um, you know, what the target audience is, making sure the client's happy and all that, and getting it to the point that it's at. 
she's done that legwork, that's her responsibility. I'm going to build the site and have a few questions, but I'm built, you know, she's brought me on to build what she's designed. Yeah. You know, so that's what I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to honour the design that she's done because that's yeah, her design. Yeah, just like she'd honour yeah. your Exactly, and, and vice versa. Um, you've got to have that level of respect for the person you're working with. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, respect and personability. Yeah. And if you're working with, a, say, you're working with a designer who really doesn't know their stuff? Uh, yeah, if you if you get into a position where that happens, then, you know, um, do the best job you can. Yeah. Uh, and then probably don't work with them again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is, there, 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 there are a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of work out there. You know what I mean? There's, there's enough for everybody. And if you find someone that you don't gel with and you don't work well with, don't get into a position where you're hating working with them. Yeah. You know, if you, if you're not in, I mean, I don't, I think, I think you're the same as me. You know, we got into doing, things freelance so that we could pick and choose as clients work the way we wanted to work and pursue the goals in life that we want to pursue if anything along the way is making you miserable change it yeah i mean that's the thing i love about freelancing yeah you you're in you're in complete control of your own destiny and the only the only thing stopping you are kind of the market um which i think is very good at the moment from my point of view um maybe it's just sort of where i live or something but um i think there is a lot of work out at the moment yeah i mean nothing drives me mad more than people who moan about the work that they're doing or the job that they have but don't do anything to change it yeah yeah um you know not everybody's not everybody's going to be an entrepreneur not everybody's cut out to be freelance but if you're happy doing the job that you're doing you know what i mean yeah then you know we we need people in society we need people at our levels we need the entrepreneurs who are turning over billions of quid and we need the people who empty the bins do you know what i mean if you're happy doing the job that you're doing then great but don't bitch and moan about it if you're gonna bitch and moan about it do something about it change jobs focus on something that you want to do i very much believe that if you have an interest you can turn it into some way of making making money i've got friends who um uh you know a friend of a friend makes cushions now. She started an online store for making cushions and she's doing really well. And I was chatting mm. with her at a party and, and you know, and, and I said, oh, these cushions are fantastic and I'll buy, I'll buy a couple of your cushions when they come out. And I've got a couple of Doctor Who cushions in the office and they're ace, <laughs> absolutely ace. And, you know, they've done the, you can see how much she loves doing it, the quality of the stitching and the padding she's used and the finish on it. You know, they're really well made. And it's like, that's brilliant. She's, she's, she, she loves making cushions and she's making a career out of cushions. I, you know, my, my wife's got a friend who makes these little um, soft toys out of scrap material, mm. you know, leftover offcuts of different material, makes all these kind of patchwork teddy bears. And, you know, she's not making a living from it, but she's making a nice little sideline doing it. And, and I love people like that. I love people who will just, you know, think, oh, I really enjoy doing this. I'm going I'm to go and make a living out of it or make a bit of extra cash out of it. Um, because I enjoy it, and it's like well, life's too short to be miserable. Yeah, you know, if you're not happy with something, change it. You know, don't bitch and moan about it. So we're out of time. I've got loads more questions that I want to ask you, but um, I should probably leave that for another another show. I, I can't believe how much we've talked. Actually, you're, you're, you're on me up. I've not I've not done a podcast 
for about two years, you know. <laughs> since um, Bargold? Yeah, since Bargold. Well, I should definitely get you on again because, yeah, I've got loads of post-its around my screen that, with lots of questions that I still haven't asked you. So. The Northerner Part 2. <laughs> yeah. So um, where can people find you? Um, I'm Ryan Havoc on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I ramble about random on there. Um, you got more yeah. more words for you to be, pal. <laughs> um, my my website and my company's Havoc Inspired, so HavocInspired.co.uk uh, is my portfolio site. Don't judge it too harshly; it needs updating. <laughs> um, and that's about it, really. I think um, I've got a blog which is sadly neglected. Um, RyanHavocTaylor.co.uk. Um, I redesigned it last year thinking I, with all the intentions of, oh, I'm going to blog at least once a month. And then invariably it never happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think they're the main ones. I think you can find me pretty much anywhere else if you if you go to. Twitter's always the best. You know, you want to catch me or ask me anything, catch me on Twitter. Yeah, you're good on Twitter. Oh, thank you very much. So you can email me at shehas at unfinished.bz and Andy at he has at unfinished.bz. Or you can email us both at theyhaveunfinished.bz. You can find all the links that we mentioned in this episode in the show notes. They're at unfinished.bz forward slash 14. And to ask us questions and suggest topics, message us on Twitter at unfinishedbz. Thanks again to our fantastic sponsors, Hammer for Mac, a nifty development tool for designers and developers, and Beyond Teleland, which is happening in Dusseldorf in Germany, May 27th to the 29th. Bye. Bye.